0: Great topics for this time of the year. We're busy uh, certainly getting our teens and preteens uh, vaccinated against meningitis before they head off to school, before they head off to college and dormitories. Uh, these are our folks, our teens and preteens, who we really tend to focus on. And we know that when we're living in close quarters, uh, or perhaps if we are somewhat uh, immunocompromised for many reasons, that we can be at very high risk. And so this tends to be the population uh, that can really ignite uh, this uh, disease or this illness, The good news is we've done a great job uh, with our vaccination program in preventing um, meningitis. We've seen a huge reduction uh, in cases as a result of these immunizations. And so that's the good news. But we still hear about cases uh, where perhaps uh, the teen or a college student was not vaccinated and, in fact, then uh, could certainly uh, come down with meningitis. And we know, Ray, that meningitis has a viral aspect to it meaning that a virus can cause this inflammation of the tissue that surrounds the brain and the spinal cord or a bacteria can and there are several other different causes including fungus um, as well uh, but those folks tend to really be immunocompromised but it's a serious infection as we all know and if it's caused by bacteria Uh, particularly, can be very life-threatening very quickly. We know that up to 1 in 10 will die within uh, about 24 hours, and 1 in 5 survivors of true bacterial meningitis will experience long-term consequences. So sometimes you've seen folks who have lost limbs, um, hearing loss, Ah, uh, skin scarring, neurologic problems—really, uh, some pretty significant deficits can occur as a result of this condition. And again, a lot of it tends to be our younger population as they merge back into the classroom, onto campuses, into dorms. That we have to be
1: really very careful. Debbie, educate us a little bit because we hear about meningitis, we hear about bacterial meningitis. How do these youngsters, specifically these teens on campuses and high school students, come in contact with meningitis? Can you educate us on that side?
0: Well, that's a good question. Um, And we know that spread can be through airborne droplets. And we know, Ray, there can be carriers. About 1% of the population can actually carry the bacteria uh, for meningitis and never have the symptoms. And so not knowing who these folks are is one uh, potential cause as to where we can begin to see an outbreak. And if you have a teen or preteen that is not vaccinated against the different types of bacterial meningitis, we have two vaccines uh, that we give to kids between the ages before 16, and then 16 to 18. If they're not vaccinated, they're going to be at potential risk. If you've got kids who've got any kind of a immune system that is altered in any way, um, some folks may have a damaged spleen, uh, or they may be on a medication that lowers their immune system. Um, you know, There are many different types of folks that might be somewhat vulnerable, and you get the carrier into that group. Um, and that's where sometimes we can certainly see this Um, and so really pretty easy to have this pop up in a population and if somebody's not vaccinated they certainly are vulnerable
1: dr debbie plate with us from cleveland clinic akron general i've heard in regards to meningitis massive headaches spiking fever what are some of the other warning signs debbie
0: Yeah, high fever, as you mentioned, a pretty significant headache, very intense headache, and very stiff neck. We oftentimes will ask our young people or any adult that we're concerned about to bring their chin to their chest. And they're literally right if somebody has this meningitis infection, they can barely move that chin and even attempt to go from chin to chest. And so that's the first sign that would make us extremely concerned about the possibility of a meningitis vaccine or meningitis illness. Uh, We know that sensitivity to light, having the lights on, having being around any type of light, photosensitivity can really be a concern. Uh, Nausea, vomiting, uh, confusion. Some of these kids can get extremely confused, altered state, drowsy. Um, We can even see seizures and at times you'll see a rash that can be present with this illness, Uh, but not as prevalent as the the high fever, severe headaches, and stiff neck. Uh,
1: Debbie, let me ask you this. If our parents, guardians, grandparents see this in their teens, do they quickly get to the ER, doctor, hospital, and such? Is, Is time of the essence here?
0: Yeah, good question, and time is certainly of the essence until we figure out if this is viral versus bacterial. So this is more of an emergency room assessment. Um, Certainly uh, calling your primary care provider, calling your pediatrician, having a conversation quickly, and then making that decision to get them typically to pretty urgent uh, or emergent care. Uh, Oftentimes this will include a lumbar puncture or a spinal tap uh, where they will send that off for for culture, uh, looking for the bacteria that could be causing the inflammation uh, through the spinal cord or around the spinal cord in the brain. Um, So that spinal tap can be extremely uh, valuable for this but this is an emergent concern right to the emergency room and perhaps a phone call on the way
1: Uh, dr debbie plate with us cleveland clinic akron general we hear we've talked you and i have talked debbie about viruses for the last two to three years talking about COVID 19 now this meningitis as well as a virus what about its spread ability if if someone inside the household comes with it are we immediately thinking other household members how, do, how quickly can this spread amongst commu- people that they come in contact with?
0: Uh, great question. And it certainly can. Uh, as we mentioned, with it being spread by airborne droplets, coughing, sneezing, sharing a drink. Uh, that's why we often tell our teams if they're playing football, soccer, uh, volleyball, lacrosse, do not share uh, your Gatorades your waters, things along those lines because of the potential spread for this. Uh, certainly close uh, contact, intimate relationships living in close quarters always uh to be able to potentially uh, spread this we know ray that if we in fact diagnose a bacterial uh infection from meningitis oftentimes we are prophylaxing or treating uh the uh, family members or those that have been close to them this infection can be that serious and so it is something that we take very very seriously Um, And sometimes we will treat them with the antibiotic and the antiviral until the results come back. And so there's oftentimes what we call an empiric treatment where they're treated very quickly uh, because time is of the essence. And so oftentimes we are then retracting perhaps the medication if, in fact, it's not needed. But this is uh, certainly serious stuff. The immunizations work. Um, It's important to protect these young people. Um, And some of us as adults can be vulnerable to this. You know, adults that perhaps, as I mentioned, may not have a spleen because of a trauma previously in their lives, HIV positive. Some of our folks that are on these biologics, uh, for instance, for psoriasis, lupus, rheumatoid. These are all folks who can be vulnerable uh, to infections that normally we might be able to ward off. And as I mentioned, uh, we know that there are carriers of very, very small percentage carriers out there uh, who potentially can be dangerous to others, and we don't even know who they are.
1: Debbie, most times a, a lot of pediatricians are on top of this, and they'll make sure they remind you when you bring your teens in and such for their checkups and their physicals about their immunization and such. But for parents that are so busy and everything and running around and economically and such, This is important to make sure the immunization with meningitis and and all your updated shots are taken care of because, as you said, this is really a dangerous situation here with meningitis.
0: Yeah, that's right, Ray. And the good news is that most of these vaccinations are covered for our young people. And so really, um, there is no excuse not to get protection against this very, very significant uh, um, disease in our teens and preteens, teens uh, so that we can really hope to see minimal cases. And we've seen a reduction in these cases, dramatic reduction as a result of these vaccines. Uh, but for those who choose not to vaccinate, these are folks that are extremely vulnerable and really important to educate, have a conversation. Uh, I mentioned to you that there are two vaccines, and both of those vaccines in our teens and preteens are sets of two. So you give one and you return within a few weeks. To get the second one. So, really important to get into those well checks that you and I talk about to make sure that we cover uh, these types of things so that these kids are safe as they're playing their sports or as they're uh, perhaps heading off to housing where they're going to live with others um, and, and certainly into the classroom.